0: Hello and welcome to the first ever Babylon podcast with Jack and James. It's what the people have wanted, it's been it a long time coming. Mm-hmm. James, how excited are you about the, the project that we are embarking I'm upon? i good.
1: Um, viva Real Talk. Uh, we've been taken on by JMP for some weird reason. Not sure what they've seen in us. Um, you might recognise us from po- other podcasts such as PS3 Talk. Um, which
0: we don't mention which anymore. Which
1: we don't mention anymore because we're, on. we're now um
0: past is new.
1: Definitely, you know, um Sorry, big I big budget heads. big budget JMP with these brilliant this brilliant setup. Um which definitely isn't makeshift. But no, it's um it's just gonna be a podcast sounds wrong about us. And the... and what we like.
0: Yeah, well basically to explain the sort of theory behind it to, mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm doing broadcast hands now. That's what we, we used to do, pieces to cameras at home, so I'm just doing broadcast And why hands are we used to reason. doing
1: pieces to camera, Jack? I don't know. Well, no, just we're, we're young, aspiring sports journalists.
0: And that is what this uh, first episode will be about, almost discussing mm-hmm. what we love to do most, discuss ourselves.
1: I mean, it is the only reason we know each other. Um, we both mm-hmm. go to the same university, University of Gloucestershire, studying the same course, living in. The same house now um,
0: featuring on the same podcast. Same,
1: yep, yeah, a few podcasts. But no, we are sports journalism students. Obviously, third year
0: when we had we're experienced. We're final. not just novices. We're not just mm. things that we're third year now established. Final, almost. final
1: year, um, you know, half of our uni experiences has have been you know ruined by a certain mm. thing. Don't know what. Um, we won't mention what.
0: There have been pros downstairs evenings, um, just 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 you and I watching films <laughs> having a lovely time.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can yeah I can agree with that. But no, I th- yeah, this is just going to be kind of a introduction, I guess. We had to do a introduction-ish episode, otherwise you don't have a clue who we are. Um, so I reckon I I've got a question for you to start with. Oh, this is. Um,
0: was it? Have you planned this? No, I just this I think coming. it's just
1: the natural the natural um, way. Right. We'll also be having guests on, so stick around for that. um Actual people with actual knowledge. Yes. Um, but I was going to ask you firstly, when when, when did you first realise that sports journalism was a, you know, potential career path?
0: I'm not going to come on here and lie and said you know since I was fresh out <laughs> of the womb I've been, you know, determined to make it as a sports journalist. I mm-hmm. went through primary school, not really knowing what. Well, obviously going through primary school, you want to be an athlete. I thought hundred yep. meters, um, I could do that.
1: Project footballer, Ronaldinho, thought
0: I could do that. I was on the wing for my local rugby team. I thought, mm-hmm. you know, I could also do that. Mm-hmm. Tug of war, I, I dip, dip the, dip the feet into the water with a bit of tug of war as well. <laughs> quick, but, quick tangent.
1: You yeah. are a good tug of warist.
0: Well, fourth in in Britain. Exactly, <laughs> you're part of the team which
1: is fourth in Britain. That's so still
0: probably a life is achievement. that what you call them, mine. a tug
1: of warist. That's
0: the one. Well, second in the in the row, but okay. I think going through secondary school, I, I was almost looking towards a history route, going to do history.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: GCSE, I, I did quite well. It was always a bit of a underdog story of me, and, me in history because having to go to Year 7 classes, get extra work done because mm-hmm. I was underperforming. And then suddenly, A star in GCSEs, so I thought, right, this is me. I'm becoming a historian. This mm-hmm. is my destiny. It's my career path. And Be- then I did A level history.
1: Because in school... Uh- the only jobs in the world are a footballer or subjects you're either a footballer or a geographer or Or a historian
0: religious or just a religious
1: or or a religious but yeah go on a level
0: well history didn't go so well at a level so then i thought right you know english is what i want to do
1: nothing quite went well at a level for you
0: i did well first year didn't go well but second year went very well you know, yep. A's were just following me around. Mm-hmm. Well, I got one, <laughs> so one A, but no, it was it was interesting because then I went to do just a general journalism. Then my good friend mm-hmm. Owen said, "Look, there's a there's a course that does sports journalism." So I thought, right, that's my probably my strength in writing, and that's mm-hmm. my hobby in sports. It made sense. I went to an open day here at this uni, and yeah, how about you, James?
1: And now we're both Chapman residents. Um, I was similar. I never. I didn't know what sports journalism really was until about six months before I ended up coming to uni. It was the November before the UCAS application was supposed to be in in the new year. And it was November and I was applying at the University of Gloucestershire for a media production course. Because I thought that's what, I like sort of media-y stuff. And I was applying for the open day, clicked the drop-down menu under media and I saw sports journalism. I was like, oh, what was that? Um, so, you know, I read up on the course, saw some of our now g- good, good, you know, good old lecturers, saw their faces plastered all over the, over the, uh, the website. And, um, yeah, I just kind of read it and was like, oh, this is what I quite like doing. I always quite liked English. Um, apart from dropping out of English Lit six, <laughs> six hours Sorry. into my A-level. Um, because I couldn't bear it because I couldn't be asked to read more books. So you went um, into journalism
0: about
1: writing? So, well, no, because I was always good at English. It was always by far my best subject. Um, and I always loved sports, like from from a young age, mm. fresh out the womb. I was playing cricket and played cricket since I was six, football since I was about eight. Never played rugby apart from at school, but always liked rugby. Um, yeah and then ended up applying. never thought I was going to be a university person. I didn't like the idea of university. but I thought the course was well, I thought the course was too good to turn down. Mm. And here we are.
0: What are your main sporting interests because I know <sighs> them, but the audience may not.
1: Well I think the main, the main sort of takeaway from me and you as, as people is we're both West country. So and we both support the same football team, Bristol City. Um, I think I think you like to, you know, you like to put yourself down on this, but I'd say you are a Bears supporter just because you've not really mm. been to much. You're always been a big rugby fan, and now you like to support the Bears. You'll get I to suppose, games. We I were going to start going to games last year, mm. and then this thing happened in around March, which don't know what that was. i was always
0: focused on my playing career in rugby.
1: Yeah, <laughs> My
0: yeah. playing career where I once went four Project. games without touching the ball. Did you? But my <laughs> last four games. My last four Position? games as a pl- winger. Because our team, you know, it was, our coach was very Eddie Jones-esque. Yeah. Give it to the 10, and he, the 10 would hoof it. No room for the flair players like myself in the wing. No. This winger somehow, even though he had no pace, maybe it's understandable I didn't get the ball. But back in the day, I was, I was good, but then I didn't adapt uh, and stayed on the wing. I realised I should have probably moved... <laughs> inside a bit okay because i was i lost my kind of frame of being agile and then i turned into clumsy maybe i'd say you'd make a good flanker now flanker yeah
1: maybe number eight Mm. beef up a little bit yeah but no moral of the story is we're both bears we're both city fans however there is a county divide one of us is north of the river one of us is south of the river.
0: And this shows where the true loyalties are and where the glory hunters lie. Because as is culture, as is history, north of the River Avon is typically Gloucestershire and Bristol Rovers. And south, I'd say, is Somerset and Bristol City. As it but not be.
1: when you're, both sides of your family have,
2: oh, unfortunately, He's finding grown up
1: south of the river and your dad is, you know, south of the river and he is a Bristol City fan and the first game you ever go to is a Bristol City game. My first game is very um, interesting,
0: actually. You have be Bristol Rovers?
1: <laughs> there you go. And you did not support put either off, of them. Well,
0: put up both for life, I think. Um,
1: but no, I think we 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 were organising away days before we even knew each other. Um, oh, you're
0: gonna get soppy! Oh, this is no, this is meant to be. no. I just always, no, oh, I just mean blossom.
1: I just mean I remember we were messaging each other before we'd even met. Yeah, part of this big sports journalism WhatsApp group messaging each other saying, "Oh, do you want to go to?" west brom away in the 2018-19 season which didn't end up happening but you know no train we had a bond early on
0: well it was interesting because we were at the this big uni whatsapp group and we had discovered that we were both bristol city fans and funny mm-hmm. enough we were going to the same bristol city game oh yeah 18 to 19 season the season opener
1: mm-hmm. bristol
0: city versus nottingham forest and james funny enough says I should be sat just across the corner from you, Jack. I'm in, I'm in the same row as you, just the other side of the corner flag. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm getting excited. I'm thinking, oh, this, 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 James, we'll have a pint at a half time. Gotta really get to know it's each other.
1: It's absolute beast of a man. Gonna
0: to get to know each other. Then James says, oh, yeah, I'm waving at you. I'm like, looking across, like, I, I don't recognise him, surely not. Am I, am I being blind? And it was a very warm, sunny day. The sun was shining across the Lansdowne stand, stand onto my eyes. What I was thinking, is he? Then he said, oh, pink t shirt, pink salmon polo, I believe. Is that the one?
1: Uh, it, it, more of a more of a purply. It, it's not the pink salmon polo we've come to know and love, right. but it was a, it was a similar shade shirt, yes.
0: And then he, I, I think, surely that guy's not. He's it's, not going to uni. He must be um, at least in single digits of age. <laughs> <laughs> is well, this is this not a trait ones, that he gets
1: accused of you The l- people lucky people lucky enough to be watching this would have realised yeah. by now. Um, that I am not your average-looking 20-year-old no. um, because I look younger. But, hey, it'll come back to bite you because you'll look 50 when you're 40 and I'll still look fresh-faced. I wouldn't say I'm um, so. i I'm, I'm fairly, you know, fresh-faced well, no, You're face, an, you're an average, what, 22-year-old? Mm. God, you're 22 now. Um, so, yeah, that, that's kind of how...
0: But who you sat with that game? Well, you
1: began... Well, Larry.
0: Yes, that's what I need to take this kid under my wing. Well, yeah. Someone needs to do the charitable thing. And I take know, because I was the only isolated, one out of my, my friend child group. That under his wing. And that's what I've done basically.
1: I'm the only one out of my him. friend group that had committed, you know, to a Bristol City season ticket. And may I remind you that at that point, you didn't have a season ticket. You ended up oh buying my. a half-season card. Which was um, also
0: by myself. That winter. And we would meet yeah. uh, somewhere in the stadium... <laughs> At half-time. Um, I remember many a first-half <laughs> goals sitting next to this random yep. teenage girl with her father and just thinking, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I can come wait for half-time so I can go and meet James because yep. it's a bit dodging it up and down, you know, finding seats in the first half. So, yeah. yeah. I remember Eros Bizarro, I think, struck a header. against oh. was it someone? Blackburn, I, th- I think, maybe? But, yeah, that was celebrated by myself. But, yeah, then I yeah, came like... to home. James, and now, look at us, fledging Section 82 regulars sometimes delve into the press box, Well, they should delve into the press box.
1: We'll, we'll get on to that later, but before that, I was, was going to sort of touch a bit more deeply on the, the sports journalism industry. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your views on... This is quite a, quite a turn, you know, from talking about us at Bristol mm-hmm. City Games, but uh, what are your views on modern-day journalism? We've spoken to, which you'll hear soon, um, spoken to some industry pros, some... Um, stalwarts of west country and beyond sports journalism but what what are your views as someone just breaking into the industry
0: i feel it's very important to bridge a gap between a fan and the club which is what ultimately journalists are for because it can Mm -hmm. often seem especially in this day and age the club seems to want to keep as many things private as possible we've seen examples from that Particularly if you look at Bristol City, you know the Corey Smith situation, no one really knew what was happening but you know, Gregor McGregor is he, on it and he's always revealing uh, what's going on that we don't know about and I think that's the crucial aspect of it because fans ultimately that go to watch, support the club week in, week out, pay their money to buy shirts, whatever, deserve to, to, to be in the know of it and obviously it, it is I mean, the, best, the club's best interest to keep th- some things behind closed doors, putting everyone's best interest to keep things behind closed doors but... I think having a a bridge between the two is crucial and I think even adding an element of fun just openness and giving the fans more of a experience of what is going on behind those those doors how about mm. yourself James
1: No I agree I think we've had a lot of discussions obviously um about social media mm. and the and the doors that that opens um and it's a very strange uh you know concept really that social media is so reactionary mm. that anything that sort of comes out is um you know it, it it'll be seen by people regardless of what you tweet regardless of what you post you've had a gonna, few
0: bad ones it's gonna, it's gonna be seen, on seen oh, and deleted. what
1: i <laughs> like oh what like sort of miss, misspellings and, <laughs> you know if twitter ever added edit mode
0: That would be a bad idea for me because no, big tweets would just suddenly get advertised and people would be paying money, they'd be advertising it. it. It'd be awful. Just because I don't know, Isabel from Birmingham has has misspelled a tweet wrong, it could have gone viral, she it made that spelling mistake. You know, Mm. does Twitter lose its soul? Not for me. No,
1: but everything, you know, everything is out there straight away Mm. on social media. It will be seen by someone, it will be recorded or screenshotted by someone. Um, so there's no margin for for error on social media, which is very dangerous um, for a dangerous thing, I guess, because mm. you see now um, social media also brings out the absolute worst in some people and the worst of situations. Um, seen a lot in the news. I think 2020 was a big, mm. big um, year for raising awareness of diversity issues and, you know, institutional racism That at the end of the day is deeply rooted in sports journalism and social we've media. We've done a big essay on it, haven't we? We've right have just done a big essay on it. I think we
0: both concluded that, that there is an, an issue.
1: A huge issue. Um, and I think there will be an issue for a long, long time. Um, but, yeah, going back to our experiences, I think it also opens doors and mm. it also in some ways makes you spoke about sort of clubs keeping private it also makes some some people more accessible depending on who you are obviously you got players and managers or whatever tweeting stuff straight after games and have a bit of banter on social media um so it's a fine line isn't it between raising awareness of you know diversification problems and then also opening doors for some journalists and then also shutting doors for some journalists and I think um,
0: why it's surreal day or time for both of us was working in journalism, journalism mm. just a year into the club, for the club we supported Bristol City, we both acted as under 23's almost reporters of Bristol City which when I was to do the live tweeting on the club's account which is is, mm-hmm. is a dangerous game you talked mm-hmm. about uh, typos, I think on our first day I may have made a, a brief typo or something and then All the replies, admin out, sack the admin. (laughs) This is unacceptable, especially when the club's in a bad run of form. But how did you find that element? Was it maybe overwhelming? Because I know you were very taken aback by it, especially on that first day.
1: Well, working and then tweeting from your club's social media account.
0: Yeah. Just being logged in and seeing the the mentions. There's a verified section, which was a a madness. I don't use the phrase of madness, but it was crazy. Yeah, sport doesn't have this kind of access
1: weird reporting for our club I know it's not significant you know it wasn't going out and reporting on the first team every week but we were in Western Supermare quite a bit Mm. Um, and at the end of the day we were writing reports for the club website tweeting from the club account and it was strange Um, but thoroughly enjoyed it and it was just I think just added to our experiences you know Um, how did you find it
0: it was eye-opening, it was kind of surreal, but I think there was one day that sticks with me is it's all well and good when they're at the, the nice comforts no, of what the, op, what was it, Optima Stadium in yep. Western Superman. I don't know if anyone listening is familiar with it, but then we get the call last <laughs> minute say, games move to Phelan Training Centre. Which is fine. Which you is know. fine, yeah, no problem. But <laughs> when it's almost the aspect, the less glamorous side of it yep. is when we are at the, the training ground and the under-23s are playing, it's blowing a gale, it's a I think it's storm something was going on. It's one of the storms with a mm-hmm. funny name. Um, and then there's there was no seats, there was no plugs, so mm-hmm. in the end my I was using a Lenovo Z fifty one at the time. <laughs> and I know there won't be many uh, users of a Lenovo fifty one listening to this because well, within good reason they looked at the reviews <laughs> and its battery life at the time was lasting about half an hour. So in the match report it was the team sheet was blowing all over the place. Yep. I think it was just us, maybe Greg or McGregor, one of the city media team, mm-hmm. just trying to keep tracking this game, and yet ultimately just freezing, having to write the match report on my phone. Mm. Um, the team had lost six-one to Watford, yeah. so
1: got obliterated. Bless them. But that I still loved
0: that day. That's the thing. Yeah. No matter many journalists would look at that and think that's you know the low point. You can only go up from there. But I still absolutely loved it. It was still a real experience and just that access to even walking through the club's yeah. training ground that we support was just unbelievable and I think this season as well where I've been lucky enough to go to the, the City Games what a flex that is <laughs> but yeah it's just been surreal and I think it is one of those industries that really does open up opportunities
1: yeah. and there aren't really any bad days go well, on. I, I hate to say that that's probably you can yeah, this is a bit narrow minded Jack no, mm. I think we can um, sort of bring in our first guest here because you have mm. spent this season nice segue no problem uh, we, you have spent this season under the the stewardship, under the wing of um, Bristol Post, Bristol Live's finest um, reporter. He's been here for a while now. Um, He's an adopted Bristol City supporter in my eyes. Mm. Um, Gregor McGregor, um, who you had a chat with. So uh,
3: we'll put that in now.
4: Top man. Well, thank you for joining us, Gregor. How are you this evening?
3: Not too bad. A little bit tired after a a trip to Brentford last night, but um, I'm okay. thanks.
4: I guess that comes with the job, doesn't it? Um, how did you get into sports journalism? First of all, was it always your chosen career path?
3: No, it wasn't actually. I, I didn't exactly know what I wanted to do for a fair while, and I ended up doing something at university that that was actually sort of politics with media on the side, and then I ended up wanting to do a bit more of the media stuff. I wouldn't recommend politics to anyone. Um, but yeah, then I sort of just got involved with the local paper, enjoyed doing that. And and it sort of snowballed from there, really. I've actually worked in magazines for a long time and and I and I was working in actually about um some of the computer games magazines. I was into um video games, but I always did like the football games and stuff, football manager, FIFA, PES, all that kind of stuff. So I always had a big interest in sport. And there came a point where I thought actually I wouldn't mind trying to switch across to sports journalism. And, uh, yeah, I've been lucky enough to get a few different positions on that journey from them.
4: Yeah, I'm definitely a football manager, man, too. Uh, when was it you started at Bristol Live? things? So you've been there a few years now. Uh, when was it you first
3: got started? Just going up to four years now. Four years in, I think it'll be April.
4: So you've seen some of the best years of Bristol City then in terms of a four-year spell. Do you feel the industry's changed at all since then? Obviously, it's still not a very... Long amount of time, but do you feel the injuries start change at all from when you started to now?
3: I I feel like the media industry is changing very very fast all of the time. Not not even just the four years that I've been on Bristol Live, but year to year. And one of the big things is technology. Um, technology is always advancing, and like I mean, we're talking on Zoom and things like this quite easily enough. I'm just using my phone here. I don't know if, if you're doing similar or um, but, but you maybe wouldn't have um, done that quite so much a few years ago, although I might be sharing my age a little bit there. Uh, and yeah, I do feel like it has it's changed a, a fair bit, certainly in the newspaper industry, which is kind of where I worked originally and I've sort of changed from being somebody who writes about and um, doing copy for newspapers to being more digitally based. But they, the way it works is they kind of take our stuff from online and run it in the paper so that that content is is, is used just in different formats. And uh, the whole way that that works and, and certainly that side of the industry is, is has, has changed a lot. And as I say, is, is constantly doing so, so.
4: No, definitely, definitely. And one thing that I think as a journalist you have to be on these days is social media really, especially Twitter, because fans are seeing things instantly. And how much do you feel social media itself has a positive effect on journalism? Or do you think it can be also be maybe a bit of a negative at times
3: definitely definitely both um I, for myself um social media is is a brilliant tool uh but at the same time you have to be a little bit careful with it I think as in sort of discover this more and more but i think in every walk of life social media has positives and negatives and You obviously don't want to spend too much time on there, and we've seen everybody. I I get abuse. I get abuse um, from people. I've had to block people. I think if you go into sports journalism, you undoubtedly at some point will will have that thrown at you. Various you 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 get stuff chucked at you on there, and you'll have to either decide to just ignore it, which I think probably a lot of people try and do, but then there comes a point, and well, it comes a point, and you think. I don't want to be listened to this all the time. So I when I first started this job, I thought I'm gonna try really hard, really hard, not to block anybody. And uh basically I've just decided to block more people.
4: I got some stick the other day when I said um on BS3 talk, our pokey little Bristol City podcast, I said I felt that Masengo should be starting more games. And I think after his performance against Brentford, I thought justified in the end. So that was a that was very pleasing. But what has been your high point in the role so far at Bristol Live? Obviously they've been some great cup upsets and good league campaigns, but is there any real moments that stick out to you? Maybe a journalistic scoop
3: or anything? Um, one, I think you always sort of remember your best transfer scoops. And one of the first ones I know that, um, I, I, that I broke, I'm sure, was um, when CSKA Moscow signed Order Magnusson. And um, actually, I can say this now, but Basically, had a guy in Iceland who, who uh, I think he actually helped a Magnusson's um, profile and everything, and he was keeping us in touch with what was going on with him and everything. I'm not sure if he wanted, he just wanted everybody, the fans, to know the real truth or, or what his motivation was, but it was obviously very good for us. So, um, yeah, that was brilliant because we, we knew then that he was going to CSK in, in Moscow. and It was a weird transfer because actually they agreed that all... For a long time. I think it was the Euros on at the time or something. Or was it the World Cup even? Might have been the World Cup actually. And um, he was away so it wasn't for a long time that it was announced. So I think when we had broke that transfer story everybody was like yeah whatever. And then it, it, it transpired a month down the line that yeah it was true But and people had probably forgotten that we'd even broken that story a long time before. Um, so yeah that and um, I th- I'd also say some of the more the stuff that has sort of come from the dressing room, from a, um to a degree, so stuff that's kind of edgy, because I think you have to be incredibly balanced to report that, and it's a, a high wire act because if you're wrong on anything, you will very quickly find out because Lee Johnson or Dean Holden will very quickly, or the or Dave Barton on the, the press media, sorry the. Uh, the, the media staff at Bristol City would very quickly be on your back if you're reporting something that's incorrect. So to be able to report something that is detrimental to the club, detrimental to the manager, um, I think that takes a bit of skill to be able to draw out. So, yeah, without wishing to blow my trumpet too much, probably those items.
0: Well, thank you again to Gregor for speaking to us there. I think many City fans will agree he's doing a, a terrific job. Really a great person to learn from on a match day and yeah. Very, very thankful for the opportunity to work with him this year.
1: What's give people a summary of your your role? You're some kind of a match day intern, assistanty person. What, Eff- what do you do?
0: Effectively, which is kind of the dream because it's the club I support. But on a match day, I will typically arrive well, get arrive an hour and a half before the game, have my lunch in the car, which I like to do. Have a <laughs> nice. have a flat bread in the car for the game. The dream, and then mm-hmm. head up to do first you go in it's very different with covid protocols because you go in, you get your pass and you go up the lift and you're pretty much straight into the seats so i'll go in i'll do a few tweets you know say oh, i've arrived and stuff then look at some stats anything i can tweet on the bristol city live account which is what i ultimately help run on match days and then i'll transcribe the quotes from the pre-match uh well quotes on the twitter that bristol city put out mm-hmm. so it's usually either paul simpson or keith downing so send that to gregor for his live blog and then kind of just live tweet the game? At the end of the game, do a uh, five things the fans may have missed report, which is, I think it's gone down quite well. It's I think a people staple
1: now. It. Yeah. It's a
0: staple. It's almost a series because mm-hmm. it is so important that with no fans there, we being lucky enough to be there watch, watching the game can kind of pick out moments that you don't really notice at home. So mm-hmm. I think that's a good idea. But yeah, doing a few few interesting tweets. I think one that sticks with me is... is uh, you know, those I wrote more Web Dini, then kind of crossed it out on Twitter fun, yeah. more Dini, which kind of backfired in the past few games. And I think I got a few hateful comments like delete because it was very cringe, which <laughs> I agree. But you have to be a bit cringe. And yeah. one person I would I would say has a bit of a te- uh, tendency to be cringe on social media is you, James. Some of you are back on the design horse and all. Uh, how have you found working during a COVID environment this year in the in the industry you now love?
1: <laughs> yeah, Well, I've been doing some videography bits with Chatham Town, um, Chatham Town Football Club, the Robins, another set of Robins actually. Obviously, Um, yeah, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I've only managed to get down there on one match day, um, which was film a sort of match day recap, different angle kind of video, um, which was thoroughly enjoyable. Felt again very lucky to be there. and yeah, most of it's just sort of been editing and working remotely, um, but also getting down to the stadium most weeks and filming links for a show we do. And yeah, it's very strange, isn't it? That we don't really have much of an idea on what it's like working full—not full t- time—but working like in the industry in regular circumstances. You don't really know what it's like to go in week in week out in the press box with fans i've never filmed a game from the sidelines with fans um i've only been to one two football games in the last year um which have both been non-legal pre-season friendlies so you know and they've even then they've limited fans with covid um yeah it's very strange isn't it but again we're lucky with our university that We've been able to get opportunities. Obviously, you worked very hard for yours. Um very.
4: very you did. I went, I went in there for a few did. weeks. So yeah, was, you
1: did many no, weeks of work experience no. before that. Um, we're very, we're, we're very nicely placed in terms of university giving us good opportunities. Um, which is where segue number two. We could bring in our our next guest. I spoke to um, our fellow student Caitlin Bennett. Um, about her experiences, more specifically, you know, about her experiences as a woman in sport and a woman in sports journalism. So we'll put that in now. Right, Kate, what about sports journalism appealed to you? When did you first, you know, realise that it could be a career path?
2: So I remember speaking to my mum about, well, I, I think I was doing my GCSEs. So I realised quite early on what I wanted to do. And I always say, i'm very lucky that to have realized so early on like exactly what i wanted to do because i think so many so many students in school have the trouble of oh my god i have to decide on a levels i have to make unique choices and it's 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 hard when you know what you want to do but it's made even harder if you don't know what you want to do um and i was in that phase of like i need to kind of decide what i need to do because i need to work out what a levels i need etc etc so i just thought what am I good at? What do I enjoy? And I feel like the only thing I've ever been good at really is English. I loved English in school. I loved writing. Um, I always did well at at it, but like I said, I think the main thing for me was the, the main advice I kind of got was just do something you enjoy. Um, so I thought subjects I enjoy most is English. So maybe I'll do something with English, but even more so than English, I loved sport, like watching it, playing it. I think, When I was younger I I at some point played every sport under the sun. I always loved PE, did sports studies um, and yeah sport and then English were they were my two favorite things in school so I thought maybe then because I was thinking I don't really know what I could do with English other than maybe be an English teacher or creative writing or something along those lines and then I thought okay maybe sport so I thought, oh, maybe I'll do sports, physiotherapy, something like that. Realised I was absolutely terrible at science. <laughs> so I thought, okay, I need a plan B. And my mum was like, why don't you do sports journalism? And I was like, what is that? <laughs> and um my mum like explained a bit to me. She's like, writing, presenting, type of thing. And then as soon as I like did a bit of research, I was like, oh, okay, this is I just thought it was absolutely spot on for me. And it sounds really cheesy, but if I wasn't doing it now, I genuinely have no idea what I would be doing because it, I feel like it just fits um, kind of, like, the, the stuff I'm not bad at and mm. the things I enjoy as well. So, yeah.
1: Um, As far as, you know, as a fellow student and a fellow, you know, young, aspiring sports journalist, you could say, I think we share, like, similar experiences, but I think there's definitely you've definitely had a lot more um, to get through as a woman in the industry. Now, I think 2020 especially, wasn't it? It was a huge year for diversity and raising awareness and stuff. How do you find it being um, a woman in the industry, a young woman trying to, you know, get in? Who are your role models? Who do you look up to? I think I might know one of them. Um, but, you know, how how do you find it? How do you think your experiences differ
2: Um, I mean, I don't want to sit here and talk like I'm someone with 20-plus years experience who, as I said, experienced social media trolling and because, touch wood, everyone is always so... On social media, I don't think I've ever really had any any abuse in terms of being a female or anything like that. Um, So I'm kind of lucky because I know when it does go on, and um, it's not always necessarily like the bigger names we see on on TV or anything. It, it can be aspiring female journalists um, who are in uni or a, an internship. Or I think, I think where the experience differs is it, it is a complete double standard. As a female, you have to be ten times better. You have to know ten times more, and you have to you have to prove yourself beyond anything beyond anything really um to to prove that you have a place because for so many years we it's been women don't have a place in sport but they do but also we have to accept that just because we're women in sport we can get things wrong like the men do and although it's okay to receive criticism if you get something wrong i'm not saying you don't deserve any criticism for me it's when that it, it turns from criticism to comments about someone about a, a woman like about being a female um and then i think i think it's always gonna start back from where it derived from of women don't have a place in sport and i think so so many females now are trying to trying to push that boundary and a, a lot of men as well i see so many male journalists as well that are, are really supportive of of female work and it's kind of, someone said to me before, um, it's it's kind of positive discrimination because the the industry is looking for more females. And I think you have to try and draw the line of it being a tick box exercise. And, oh, we're looking for a token female to broaden the diversification of our channel, of our platform, of our output. Um, I think you still have to be good at what you do um, but yeah so, someone did say to me before it's almost positive discrimination because as I said so many so many platforms are trying to diversify their workforce um, so you kind of have to it's it's like kind of a bit of give and take I suppose mm. but yeah de- women definitely do have it difficult and as I said I'm not trying to sit here and act like I've had any I've had certain experiences where, where you can tell you walk in a room and people are a bit like a girl <laughs> doing sports journalism. Um but nothing nothing too too major. But I see it and we all we all know that it goes on is you can't deny it.
1: Thank you, Caitlin, there, for your time. Um we're calling her Caitlin not Kate. Um she has many nicknames. She does have many nicknames. Ben's to be more precise. Very
0: talented though.
1: Yeah. It's 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 nice, it's grounding having, you know, as two at the end of the day with two white men mm. it's quite grounding and quite eye-opening to see her and hear her experiences and you know she's had a lot of opportunities but she's had There's to nothing. work you know 10 times as hard when she gets them to even feel as if she's appreciated for mm. them which you know shouldn't be the case um what what do you think about the going a bit deeper what do you think about sort of diversity you mentioned earlier we had to write an essay on it recently. Mm. Um, that was racism specific. What do you think about the general diversity in the industry? I hate how much. You said industry in this <laughs>
0: podcast. Well, it's important because ultimately people should not feel they have any limitations as to what they can achieve. People watching at home who are into sport, you know, maybe young girls into sport, whatever, you know, are watching on the television. They see, I don't know, Laura Woods or someone, I know. Kate looks up to her and uh, they you know a lot of real role models her and I think it's important to have those those role models because then it pushes you to work hard. You no, know, you you then know it is possible and you can do it because <laughs> it's ultimately totally not down to genders whether you're good enough and we've seen many examples in the industry that of, you know, women that are definitely good enough to be there and better than some of the male uh, counterparts that are in there so I think for people like Kate trying to break in uh, at the minute it is important to have those role models and people to look up to and I think ultimately it is yeah, it's just very important to have those roles because if, because there are a lot of people that are good enough and it just it would just be tragic mm. if they felt they couldn't make it into these roles because of things like gender, things like race. So mm. yeah, it's very it's great to see that I think the the wheel is now almost turning slightly. Evidence, there's still a long way to go, don't get me wrong, but
1: is that the, saying?
0: <laughs> it's not a saying, no. The plates are turning or something. The dynamic is changing, basically, is what yeah. I'm trying to say.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think dynamic is changing. I think slowly it is You know, something is being done. Obviously, we touched on social media earlier. Um, It's something in which it can be so helpful and yet such a hindrance as well. We saw the Karen Carney stuff. She got absolutely obliterated on Twitter for nothing more than a slightly silly comment that was sandwiched between other very reasonable things to say. And whilst you might have had a few comments saying, if it was a bloke, saying well that's a bit of a silly comment it turned into an absolute twitter storm um leeds united you know almost singling not necessarily there wasn't necessarily much wrong with their tweet uh if you if you took it out of context but it's the fact they were basically saw someone say feeding her to the wolves yeah because it's pretty obvious the general culture of football twitter um (laughs) And that's the
0: bad side of it for me, just yeah, Football Twitter it can it's be a horrendous place.
1: Pretty obvious where that was gonna go, so that was so stupid from them. Um But yeah, it's we're, at the end of the day we are very lucky to be in a position that we're in where we don't feel um, you know prejudiced against. No. Um and we can only help and raise awareness and try and make things better slowly but surely um it'll happen eventually next thing i wanted to touch on, Go on. with you jack is um how long do you th- do you expect to be in in sports journalism i'm not going to say it in industry anymore because do you see this being a, a lifelong thing what do you expect sports journalism to change into what do you expect it to morph into what what do you, what do you think
0: I certainly hope to be in it for a good few, even decades, because it is something that I'm enjoying doing. It doesn't really feel like a job at times, but yeah, I'm not going to say too much in the future because don't know. You know, I'm you sound like got... a
1: you sound like a footballer. You sound like Eden Hazard mm. when he was leaving.
0: I'm lucky enough that Dad's got business at home, so if it does go wrong, if I go to that, Dad goes to pot, and then yeah, basically I'm enjoying it. So, but I'm not one that likes setting time frames on things. Really, I mm-hmm. prefer just go with the flow you know let's say if i get a massive if there's an opportunity comes up in you know thailand to work as a some a teacher or whatever you know that, that's right then yeah go for it but
1: random I, I, but
0: very random but yeah the main point being that i don't want to you can't really say too much into the future because you know Mm -hmm. let's say we get a job after uni that works then if you enjoy it there why not stay there for ultimately as long as you like really it's kind of like works both ways just do what makes you happy i'm a big believer in that happiness is defined by success the other way around success (laughs) is defined by happiness rather than something like i don't know Mm. materialism how about you james i'll spin the question on its head
1: no i agree i just want to be happy with whatever i'm whatever i'm doing really Mm -hmm. um I think if you if you're not happy with what you're doing, then you just then you change it. Mm. Um, by the same token, if it's not broke, don't fix it. So yeah, it's just a strange world to be trying to break into at the moment, isn't it? With with COVID, um, the fact that chances feel limited mm. anyway for you know every employer wants experience. Yeah. When you're a student and you don't have much experience, it's hard anyway add COVID onto that and less people are employing. It's a strange world, but we're on real talk right now. So, hey, we're doing you, all right.
0: You spoke about experience. I think it's maybe time for another mm-hmm. segue into a man who certainly had a lot of experiences in the industry, covered the Rugby World Cup in Australia, been on Lions tours, covered a variety of sports, cricket and football Wrote for the New York Times. I said it right. I don't say that right in the interview, by the way. But yeah. but yeah, here is Steve Cotton's take on the industry at present. So, hi, Steve. Thank you for joining us. on what is a very special day for you? Is it not?
5: Yeah, it is. Thanks, lads. Yeah, it's. I think when you get past a certain age, though, you know, birthdays aren't as special as they once were. So, I'm more than happy to be escaping homeschool and talking to you two.
0: So, talking a bit about yourself, how did you get into the sports journalism industry?
5: It's a funny one, really, because I was, I think, a month or two, maybe, into my A levels, and um, I decided, or I said to my mum that I wasn't enjoying my A levels and I wanted to quit college. And she said, "Don't do that. That's an idiotic thing to suggest." Um, but then a few days later, our local paper advertised for a junior sports reporter. So she said, "Look, this is what you've always wanted to do. Give it a go." So I applied, and my my CV wasn't, you know, I was sixteen. My CV then wasn't very expansive at all, but. Um, I got invited down for a chat I think on the strength of my A level uh, sorry my GCSE results and the fact that I'd done a few commentaries on Yeovil town games for local hospital radio so I got an interview went along and they basically said you can cover the FA Cup game at Hastings on Saturday and if you do a decent enough job uh, we'll take you on And and that was pretty much it.
1: One thing we've touched on is social media. Um, how does that affect you, and how do you think that's affected journalism as a whole?
5: I think it's. I think it's changed the game. I think when, when I was at the post, um, they, they were probably quite late adopters of it, really. And and but but when they went for it, it it changed the way people wrote. It changed the way people approached things. Um, I think obviously, you know, social media is is a force for for bad things as well as good things and I think you know you you can get a bit too engrossed in it and I've only recently gone back on Twitter after probably 11 months off because I just found it a little bit soul destroying and and quite draining a lot of the the negativity around you know anything that would be posted by um you know certain high people of, of profile you know whether it was women whether it was whether it was people of color whatever it was people jump on it and there is obviously a lot of racism and there is a lot of sexism and it embedded in the commentary. So I think, you know, once you wade through that and it's an ongoing battle that the tech companies and other organisations are fighting at the moment, then, you know, there is positivity and I think people can make good use of it. And we obviously see a lot of good come out of it. So working with athletes
0: in sports journalism for so long, have you had any sort of runnings or amusing stories with any of them?
5: Uh, let me think. Um, Running, ins yeah, that's an interesting one. Uh, and I'll tell you one. Um, it's not it's not a run-in, um, but in terms of stories, when I went to cover the Rugby World Cup in Australia in 2003, um, I was 21. You know, I think the balance of going to uni versus getting work experience paid off for me in that respect, because a lot of my contemporaries would have finished uni that sort of that summer and then been looking for jobs. And I was already kind of in position where I was going to Australia to, to cover a World Cup. And one of my jobs was to ghostwrite Mike Tindall's column. He did a column for us at the Western Daily Press and we'd signed him up. You know, he wasn't a star going into the tournament. He was probably the least famous of the England starting 15. Um, we signed him up for a column. And the first one I did just after I arrived in Brisbane, um, we sat down in the hotel and did it. The next one in, uh, in Sydney, was a a trickier one to arrange so I was going to call him because I hadn't heard from him there was a rumor going around he was going to be dropped for the semi-final Um, anyway rang him rang him rang him didn't get anything back the editor back home because of the time difference is panicking because he needs to know when the columns come in Um, Mike texts me can't talk now mate I'll speak to you tomorrow and I think well that's a bit brief anyway it turns out I'd interrupted his first date with Zara Phillips so Zara was over there and they'd been set up i think by a mutual friend austin healy or or something like that and so he'd gone for a drink with her in in sydney or a meal in sydney um nobody knew that this was happening obviously he couldn't tell me why why he couldn't answer my call and then it came out in the tabloids uh, a few weeks later and then he apologized and said look mate, i couldn't tell you what it was because obviously when you're dating a member of the royal family it's not the sort of thing you can advertise um straight away so Obviously, they ended up getting married and having kids and living happily ever after. And, yeah, I was uh, I was there badgering him to answer his phone to to do a column for which he was probably getting 150 quid. So that was quite a good one.
0: Again, thanks to Steve for his time, especially on the, on his birthday. We didn't ask for yeah. his age or anything like that. But a very interesting story on Mike Tyndall. Mm. I didn't know him and Zara It's been together that long, to be honest.
1: Yeah, you and were quite surprised. Through, uh, yeah, I it was. It's 18 years now. Wow. Is it 18? Yeah, because Steve said 17. Mm. I was like, it's not. It's eighteen now. It's twenty twenty one. No, there was some fascinating um anecdotes in there. It was a show me how to show me how to cut it. 'Cause mm-hmm. I've spoken to Steve all day. There will be a Steve Cotton um episode in the future, because why not? Um that's one
0: thing I'm excited about with this podcast moving forward, hopefully we can get mm-hmm. a load of guests on. It won't just be yeah, us two. We'll, we'll touch about this. Some people may want to just listen to us all day. Maybe you want a 24 hour episode special streamed of just us talking all day. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, going forward, if we can get guests on, that would be great to share their experiences ultimately as yeah, well. Yeah,
1: I think that that's the plan. We'll kind of end this on, you know, touching on where we want to take this. Um, mm-hmm. We've been given a lot of freedom, thanks to certain people. Um hopefully get some good contacts and get some good guests and find some good, you know, talk Stories. about things that we enjoy.
0: It's gotta be ultimately if we get people um, on with a story to tell yeah. or something particularly, you know, topical or something like that, that would be mm-hmm. ideal. Just someone some of an interesting story to tell that hopefully
1: is interesting. And we yeah. have a good chat with. And also interesting topics. Yeah. Got some very interesting things lined up with certain certain um subjects and certain fantasy, Premier Leagues, oh. etc. Um, I know you
0: want me to talk about the minute, James. Which, I know you, you've not been flying lately. Which I haven't we, been flying me, in. Can I, oh, just for on. some context, we, over on our other podcast, say other podcast? Yeah. BS3 Talk, we have a fantasy football league, which I think there's about 90 people in there. And what I expect is that many of those 90, I'd say at least only 60%, have... Made their teams on week one and left it for the rest of the year. Uh, so you know they still got a in midfield, Trent Alexander Arnold in defence, Timo Werner as captain throughout the season. Yet James, you find yourself in the bottom bottom half, bottom third of this division, and it's not like he's a casual player. He lives, breathes, and sleeps FPL. So you know change your captain each week, watching YouTube videos for tutorials, following specific Twitter accounts for the best FPL. Insight, James. What's gone so poorly this
1: year? <laughs> this hurts. That—that's for another. Did you pride yourself on an
0: FPL, Being an FPL man?
1: No, not no. I just enjoy it. This—this this is for future episodes. <laughs> so you pride yourself. We'll on give it. it. We'll give it a proper um, deep dive into our FPL um, journey.
0: But how are you? How are you uh, finding the uni living then?
1: <laughs> Changing the subject. I'm quite mm. happy with that. Yeah, obviously we're in our uni house at the moment. Um,
0: that's why the, the maybe the for you watching visually if this does make the social media channels what well, makes it <laughs> makeshift the wall is very much as traditional a student wall as you do get
1: <laughs> yeah just plain no um, I love being in, in at uni won't give away our exact location but we are Chel- oh. Cheltenham based
0: <laughs> you've saved our um, doors from getting knocked on <laughs> all day I'm sure James thanks for doing that because I'm sure everyone will be streaming in
1: <laughs> Um, Cheltenham love living in Cheltenham Um, feel quite sort of high end when I say oh, I live in Cheltenham. Um Chipping Sobery. But <laughs> go, I'm gonna have people visiting Chipping Sovereign not mate. <laughs> go on, V Um, no. It, loving sort of uni lifestyle and I think we've got some good insight today from those our lovely three guests. Thank you to um, everyone for for contributing. Um I'm not sure whether you've learnt anything today from us, but you might have from them. Um and yeah. I think I think we're good to wrap up there.
0: Yeah, ideal. Thank yeah again, thank you to everyone. If you have listened this far, thank you to everyone for contributing and mm-hmm. looking forward to more to come from yeah. Babylon with from Jack and James Babylon. because that they are our names.
1: Yeah, yeah, original name. Um, I apologise if you've been watching this because, yeah, again the wall. Um, hopefully we'll have some some yeah, yeah. better setup in the future um but yeah are we done there
0: I this is one of those that you look back on in 30 years and think wow look at that
1: god we were awful
0: (laughs) but who knows yeah yeah
1: okay well thank you for listening thank you for watching um and make sure you keep an eye out um for future episodes future interesting guests um
0: on our social media accounts we haven't set up yet but we will
1: we might do yes um So from from James and from Jack.
0: Jack and James, that's how it works. Yeah, I know, but I I thought for
1: the end of the podcast it'd be good to go James and Jack. All right, so from Jack and from James, this has been Babbling, and thank you for listening. Thank you. And watching. Goodbye. (laughs)